Chipping away at the block Cause I know that life ain't love And when I go to sleep I dream the best parts of me will come alive But when I see that morning light I know Chris near by my side Chipping away, chipping away with me Hello and happy Motivational Monday, everyone. I am very excited to get to know this next guest kind of along with you guys. Um, for those of you who listened to season one, our beautiful cake, God bless all the cupcakes out there, um, really recommended after she did her episode. She was like, if you're looking for motivational, powerful women, you really need to meet Zara. And I was like, please, like, let me know, Hit, like, hook me up, I'm ready. And so I am really excited to kind of meet Zara today with you guys. We're going to talk a little bit about her book. She is an author. She is a writer. She's starting her own publication right now. So I want to give a warm motivational welcome to Zara Bari. Hi guys. Thank you. I love cake. She's so cool. Oh my God. She is the best. The time. So to hear that she recommended me is a huge honor. So I'm grateful for that. Yes. And I am so happy to be here. I love a motivational Monday. Yes, uh, we all need it, especially during oh. right now. And um, people won't really understand until probably the end of this episode or when you read Zara's book, because it's not an if you are going to go to Amazon, you are going to go wherever they sell books now. I mean, we can't really leave the house, so probably just Amazon, right. and you are going to get her book. Um, but she's going to be your big sister by the end of this episode. So we're going to have cupcakes and we're going to have like more siblings to add to your family by the end yes, of it. I love that. I love that. I, I love, I take my role as the internet's big sister very seriously. And I'm always taking on um, little sisters or sometimes I call them kittens. So the more. Oh, okay. And little brothers, little brothers and everyone in between too. That's why I like kittens. It kind of like, it's genderless. I like that. Okay. So we're going to have cupcakes and kittens by the end of this episode. <laughs> and just to give our listeners kind of a little background about you and about getting to writing your own book. Um, I don't even know where we would start with that. Because just from what I've read in the book, you started as a very emotional person. And I identified kind of immediately with you, not even just the foreword of everything for bad girls and girls who don't necessarily fit in with the self-help book right. community right now because I'm not married or have a huge career that I need to like lock down in on um but also because you are a very emotional person yeah. and you talk a lot about that throughout the whole entire book but you fell into acting very early on because you could just open up raw and that's how I fell into oh. acting so how did yeah. How did that translate into writing? Um, it's so interesting because I, I discovered acting when I was like around 15 and I had so many emotions inside of me. And at the same time I was doing, this is so old school and you probably don't know what this is, but there was something called live journal and live journal. It was pre MySpace. It was pre Facebook. It was very early 2000s. It was one of the first forms of social media. And what you would do is you would write about everything going on in your life on your live journal and your friends would follow it and they would comment. And I had this very popular live journal and I didn't hold back. I wrote about everything from drugs to sexuality to depression to partying mishaps to loneliness. And at the time, our parents didn't really know how to use the internet, so no one worried that our <laughs> parents were going to see it. It was like such a different time, you know? You could, I don't even think you could take a screenshot of anything. So I was using <laughs> dial-up, to be honest. Um, oh, my but gosh. I thought to myself, you know, I never considered, oh, I could be a writer because I got terrible grades because I could never sit still in school. Um, I just had zero interest in math or chemistry. And 
You were off with the fairies, oh, yeah. as you my call books, it. Well, they, they, they told my mom in school that I was away with the fairies because I was daydreaming. Yes. So, um, so then when I found acting, you know when you just find that one adult who sort of sees the light behind your eyes? I met this one adult. Her name was KT Curran. She's my mentor to this day. And oh. she ran a youth outreach teen acting group and she just saw she was like in the high schools recruiting and she was like you know I think you'd be really good at this so she invited me to this rehearsal and I'll never forget it I had to do an improv it was my first improv and it was a dramatic improv where like boyfriend in the improv had to go off to war or something and (laughs) the guy who played my boyfriend in this very first acting improv I ever did is my best friend to this day. He's a gay man. He's in my book. His name's Owen Gould. So it's very Yes. Yeah, okay. Very God bless. That was the first time we met. And I like got so into the improv and I cried hysterically. Like I lost myself in the scene. And afterwards everyone came up to me and they were like, Oh my God, you're such a good actress. And I was like, what? So then I auditioned for her shows and then I just fell in love with it. And Acting didn't seem to have the academic, you know, writing, unfortunately, has like a lot of snobbery and academia snobbery and acting didn't. So I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And it was such a beautiful, beautiful emotional outlet. And I still love it. It's still a huge passion of mine. I still do plays. I still do short films. Um, I started a series with Samsung 837 called the Samsung uh, Lit Salon, where I get writers and performers to perform pieces they've written. So it remains. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's great. And then so from this live kind of blog, if you will, you then realized that you could still reach people and touch people through your writing? Not really. It's it, When I went to college, the blog thing completely, everyone stopped doing it. And I always had a hunger <laughs> to write, but I, uh, I just, I just stopped again. I didn't think it was, it was worth my time. I dove into acting. I did every shitty job under the sun. Um, I worked as every that's a mood from a makeup artist to a, um, you know, sales girl to a shot girl to, you know, struggling actor, all this stuff. And then I got a job actually teaching theater to young people. And I loved that job, but still something kind of felt missing. And I had this massive, I had one of those, um, I like to call them breakups that end up turning into breakthroughs. Yes, you read about that in your book, and I'm literally sobbing. Oh, God. Yes, well, because when I found your book, I literally am just now getting out of an over three-year relationship, and then I started reading your book, and I was like, well, that's part of why I devoured it. I was just hysterically sobbing, like, wanting to cry and, like, pray to Lana Del Rey, (laughs) and I was like, I can get through this. So it was a very interesting time that your book came to me um and when you called them breakthroughs not breakups I was like holy shit I'm going through a breakthrough right now this is not a breakup like I I can do this it's yeah powerful place when you're in a breakup and when your heart is broken because it's like all of a sudden you're working from this point of nothing. Everything that you sort of built your life around, your life raft has been taken from you. So you got to find a new yep. life raft. And also, I feel like when you're heartbroken, you're more inspired to take risks because, like, you get what I call a glorious case of the screw it. It's like the worst thing that happened uh-huh. did. So why not dye my hair pink? Why not take an improv class? And that's how I felt. I was in this this breakup and I was self-medicating with drugs and alcohol. And one day I thought to myself, like, what did I do when I was a teenager and I had all these feelings? What did I do before I discovered drinking and drugs? And it hit me. I wrote, I, I did the live journal and it was such a release for me. So that very day I started a blog. Um, it is it's, That blog is no longer, I don't think. And, uh, and I reached out to a local publication and said, you know, are you looking for someone? I'll do it for free to do a style blog. I had my own emotional blog, but I also wanted maybe like a real credit, real credit. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, like, we'll give you a trial. We'll see how it goes. 
And um, that just kind of blew up. And I was like, wow, people do connect to my words. Like, and I don't feel the need to self-medicate at all anymore because now I've found something to do with the emotions and the fire. And then within six months of just, I, when I say writing every, like writing every single day, not making a dime, but just making it a discipline, um, mm -hmm. I got offered, well, I applied for a job at Elite Daily. Somebody who read my blog knew someone at Elite Daily and said, I think Zara would be right for this. I'm like, I'm going to go for it, but I'm not going to get it. I don't, I don't even have a college degree. There's no way I'm going to get a full-time writing job for this major, at the time it was huge, millennial media company. And yeah, I went in, they asked me to pitch creative ideas for personal essays. I did. I wrote them. Two weeks later, I was living in Manhattan and I had a full-time staff writing job. And that's where it began. <laughs> and I, I, I just can't believe, I mean, now I'm like, I can't imagine doing anything else with my life, but I find it so interesting I think a lot of us need to go back sometimes and like look at what we did when we were teens, when we weren't thinking about money, when we weren't thinking about yeah. a realistic career choice. What did we do because we love it? And I did writing. So, you know, and then it ended up being what I meant to do. I love that. I think that's also super poignant for where we're all at right now because I know for my like in my situation I'm at my parents house right now quarantined because it was just not smart <laughs> yeah there you go it was just not smart for me to stay in New York quarantined in a two-bedroom apartment so my parents were like please come home I've been here since March <laughs> oh my god I love it it's just it's a different mindset and so I'm sitting here I'm in my bedroom that I haven't been in since high school right. And I'm kind of looking around. It felt like a time capsule to who I was in high school. So that changed like the first month I was here. And then I start recognizing patterns and habits. And I'm like, I haven't done this. I haven't thought about this or reacted in this way in like years, almost a decade. And then I'm recognizing where I am, the environment that I am. And it puts me back to where I was like the last time I was in my parents' house. And so I feel like maybe a lot of us and like the listeners are also in that point where you're back with your parents, you're back where like life has just stopped and you don't have very many responsibilities because you just kind of can't. Right. So where to find that during this time? That's really interesting that people could probably just kind of evaluate inside of themselves to find what did you do when this was your life? Right. Can I ask you a question? Like what? Because I find yeah even just being in this bedroom that I lived in as a teenager and cried in and plastered all the walls with like angsty poetry um like do you find that being in being at home brings stuff up for you oh 100 percent. my therapist and I thank god I can still talk to my therapist via her little Skype right. sessions or I, I probably would have died um our our sessions are so interesting now because before it was like I'm stressed about my job I'm stressed about this I had this audition but I didn't feel good about it and blah blah, blah. just very career driven focused things and now that I'm back in my parents house and I'm recognizing I turned 25 in a month and that's like a huge thing for me because I'm such a type A person that when I was in this bedroom, I was the type of girl that was like, okay, so I'm going to New York City by this age. And then I go to college and I get my acting degree and then I do this. And then I want this job and this job and this job. So by the time I'm 25, I've accomplished this, 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 and this. Yeah. And that hasn't happened like even remotely because it can't, that's not realistic. And so recognizing who I am now versus the expectations I had for myself right. then have been really emotional but in a good way right it's so interesting because yeah. even though I was a, a very wild teenager I was very ambitious and I really was I thought you know by the time I'm x you know 20 22 I'm gonna be famous I'm gonna be in you know I really thought these things I'm gonna have written a book or a memoir and it's like now I'm you know 32 and I didn't get my first writing job until I was 26. And I think it's actually so much better to be, I don't even want to say a late bloomer in that way, but I think 
when I look at my friends who had massive success in their very, very early 20s, most of them, it's a lot to handle. It's a lot to handle being that age anyway, and you end up making some serious mistakes that follow you into your career, and you end up getting reputations, and you can't handle the pressure. And I think, you know, the older you get, you're more equipped to handle what comes along with success and you're more in it for the long game. You know, I had, I have a lot of friends that were childhood actors, famous, and they all, for the most part, burned out or had to take a long hiatus or just went through so much unbelievable trauma that it's like now you're, you're about to be 25, which is a baby still. And I mean, not in the best way, but like, you're, you've developed tools now to where you can handle things, especially in acting like a rejection or like the pressures of being on set and all that stuff, you know, like even I yeah. kind of handled it in my early twenties, like getting rejected by 32 editors, I would have probably given up, but now in my thirties, I can't. So yeah, we right. put way too much pressure on this, like got to get it done by this certain age. And that's ridiculous. I think. Yeah. And I think also with the tunnel vision, and I know that I am a huge um, proponent of this and I, I'm trying to get better about being present and like what you talk about a lot throughout the book of like situations and being just grounded in your person because you were meant to have that experience. You were meant to be in that moment. And I don't think if I hadn't had this experience of having to be back with my parents, this whole hiatus and stop, I was trying to promote a girl that graduated college like two years ago. And I took um, just a Q and a session with the casting director, whatever, while I'm sitting here and I'm, my mom happened to be with me and we're answering questions. And I'm starting to recognize that the answers that I have now are very different than the answers that my mom had from when I was going to New York for right. college or when I had when I was graduating from college in New York. And I was it just was a whole setback of like, girl, you're not the same person and that's OK. And to try and fit into a mold that you've grown out of is not healthy and it's not something that you're meant to do. Right. So that whole thing going on. Yeah, it's like you got to let yourself evolve. And sometimes, mm -hmm. like, this is not how I envisioned my life to be. I didn't think I was going to be a writer. Um, but I went, I rolled, it was against my core nature because I'm like you, I'm very tunnel vision and I'm very focused. And I was like, no, 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 no. I will work either as a director or an actor. And when I, like, these opportunities came up and they felt so good and I let go of it. It led me to a place that I believe is a much better career path for me. I think I'm meant to be writing the words, not speaking them. I think I can have a greater impact on the world and my audience this way. So part of evolving is just also like letting go, shedding the skin, being open to new opportunities and it's okay if life doesn't look like how you envisioned it. It's probably going to look like something a lot better, you know? Wow. Yeah. I do, I do want to talk about this progression into writing your first book because I am so excited. I'm trying – I should have prefaced at the beginning of this episode. I'm going to try not to fangirl as much as I want to because I'm so excited about this book because – you wrote it for all kinds of different walks of life. And I know that self-help books are usually super, I don't want to use the word cookie cutter because there are some incredible self-help books out there, but they are for very specific walks of life. You're married and this is how to get your mojo back with kids or with a husband or wife. And then the other one is like super career based. You want to make the most money out of your thing, but it's not artistically driven. It's, it's very cut and dry. This is how you move up the ladder. And so I know I found myself struggling where I wanted to become more in touch with myself and I wanted to try and get to that next level and elevate. And I just really didn't know how to do it. And none of these books were speaking to me and especially not my generation. And then I read your book, which in your foreword, it's basically what you were talking about of why you wrote 
this kind of self-help right. book. You're going to make me cry because that's exactly everything you said is exactly um, why I wrote the book. And writing can be such an isolating process. So to hear someone like you, you're the exact person that I want to impact and that it landed and resonated with you literally like I'll probably cry after this. <laughs> I cry almost every episode of this I podcast. Cry. So I cry. Cry. I'm currently weaning off Prozac, and if I had already been weaned off, I would be crying. <laughs> it just like hits the depths and then can't come out. But uh, it's done. Um, but yeah, I, I. It's so interesting because I love the idea of self help. I know that I have learned. I see an amazing therapist, but I have learned so much from reading people's books, listening to podcasts, just like listening to people's stories, listening to friends' stories. And I just love that idea of, of learning through other people's life choices. But I felt like I, I felt like that self-help space was alienating kind of girls like us, like you were saying, because they were either for like the, the inspiration behind this book was actually a book called uh, Girl Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis. It, it was on the bestseller list for a really long time. And I read okay, it. Okay, cool. Me too. Yep. Um, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, yes. But at the time I'd been pitching a, a different book with my agent and it just wasn't landing with editors. They're like, it's a good idea. It's just not the right first book to lead with. So I'm like, I got to pivot. I got I to gotta think of something else. And I was on a plane, and I had a copy of the book in my bag that someone had given me. And I kind of hadn't been interested in reading it because I thought it's about skincare. I'm not that interested in skincare. Um, so, but then I was so bored, so I started reading it. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, when she says, girl, wash your face, she means, like, girl, get your life together. Like, you are in control of your life. That was her message. And then I was like, mm -hmm. I wish there was a book like this for girls that I know, like millennial girls that were reared in the age of social media and Kate Moss and leaked sex tapes. Uh, girls, you know, we, we grew up in this very specific time and it's a very confusing yeah. time and the internet and all this stuff and just navigating being single. And I'm like, what the, the self-help book world doesn't really seem to be speaking to that girl. So I followed the advice of the late Toni Morrison, who said, if there's a book that you want to write and it hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. So I thought, okay, girl, wash your face. The metaphor there is get off your ass, get your life together. What's my message? And then I realized my message was, girl, stop passing out in your makeup, which means like, let's look at our lives without a filter slapped over it. We live in this curated world yeah. where there's so much pressure to be perfect, not just physically, but emotionally. And we just keep putting makeup over the scars and over the scars, but let's take the makeup off. Let's let the scar breathe so it can heal. Let's talk about where, how you got it to begin with. Let's laugh about it and let's fucking cry about it. And let's, allow it to heal because it's not going to heal if we keep covering it. And the scar could be everything mm -hmm. from the traumas that happen to you when you're just a teenage girl to untreated mental health issues, to addiction, to your spending habits, to your body image, to all that stuff. So like, let's look at it, look at it. And also like, let's dare to see the, the scar is beautiful too, because it's what makes you this nuanced, beautiful human. And I'm sorry, that was a very long-winded answer. Oh my God, no, that's what that's what I wanted. And I'm over here like, yes, exactly what this book is. No, and just so everyone knows, because they need to go put it in their Amazon cart, it's the full title is, Girl, Stop Passing Out in Your Makeup, The Bad Girl's Guide to Getting Your Shit yes. Together. Right, yes. okay. 
And I, I want people to also recognize, because this was something that I, I immediately picked up and I was like, all right, I don't necessarily identify as a bad right. girl. I, I'm from the South. I work real hard on being like the proper Southern right. belle. So I was like, maybe this just isn't for me, but I do want to like PSA as like your titles are. I just want to PSA that this isn't necessarily bad girl, like the girl that you looked at in high school and you're like, oh, she's a bad girl. It's for her too, but it's also for the girls who, like myself, are total perfectionists and we deal, there's a whole chapter about shame and I was like, oh girl, that, that scar is like oozing right now in this chapter, but it's about you waking up the next day and me being a perfectionist, if I have one too many glasses of soft Blanc, I'm like, oh my God, my life is over. Right. My, my entire reputation and my image. I felt like a bad right. girl, even though I don't identify as one. So I just also wanted to clarify that even though it's aimed at bad girls, we are all feeling or have been a quote unquote bad girl right. at some point. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's for thank everyone. Thank you so much for clarifying that. Cause yeah, I think that I've worried a little bit about that alienating certain groups. I, I put the bad girls guide because I was thinking like we all feel, because sometimes I feel with self-help books or books on spirituality, like I'm not like Gwyneth Paltrow group enough. So I mean like you don't have to be perfect, but I mean bad girl. I mean like yes. the girl who has had too many glasses of wine and spiraled. The girl who you know, has maybe a tattoo she regrets or said the wrong thing at the wrong time or dated someone for the wrong reasons, which I think if we're real with ourselves, like we've all felt like a bad girl, you know? Yes. And we're also all black. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and just to kind of delve in on like what this book was to, like what this book was for you to write, because I know that just, I'm an, I'm a total empath. So everything I was reading, your whole personal stories, I was just totally emoting the entire time. And you've been through so much, like you have so much life experience to offer so many people. And even though I haven't been to say like the music festivals, you have a whole chapter on music festivals. I'm a very sad girl and I will eventually one day get there. But <laughs> I've never been to a music right. festival. And so you're talking about these creepy guys and the music festival scene and stuff. But in my mind, I know those guys at a bar oh, in New York city, or I know those guys at like a frat party when I was back home in Texas. And I was like, my, my girl alarm was going off. I'm like, this isn't happening right, right now. So there's so much to offer from your experiences. What was that like writing all of that down? Um, I'll say that I've developed a pretty good muscle because, and I would encourage any young, like aspiring writer to write every single day. And if you can get, even if it's a shitty one, like get a media job because you, it doesn't matter if you're tired. It doesn't matter if you're uncreative. It doesn't matter if you're hungover, you, you have deadlines. And if you don't make them, you get fired. And if you don't get one of those jobs, give yourself deadlines. So I have developed, it's like going to the gym. It's like I've developed this writing muscle. So writing at this point does come very naturally and easy to me because I have five years of boot camp. Um, <laughs> but writing, it's so interesting because I hear so many people say like writing a book is this painful, horrible oh my God, process. And I think getting the book deal, that part, yes. Rejections, having to have like old white men in their 60s who have never talked to a young person in 15 years, <laughs> young women want to read. That part is a nightmare for me. The actual writing was a joy. Even writing about the sad stuff, like I cry when I, when I write it, but it's so cathartic and it's so... I like going to those deep places, even if they are painful. I think sadness needs a PR makeover, personally. We stigmatize sadness so much that we become afraid of it and we don't want to feel her. But, like, I say, like, throw some fucking lipstick on her and take her out to lunch because she's actually beautiful. She's got a beautiful message. And there's this word. I'm forgetting what it, what it is. It's, I think it's a Peruvian word, but it basically means 
joyful sadness. And I get that. Like listening to a sad song and you feel things and you feel connected yeah. to yourself. And that's how I feel even when writing the darkest parts. It all feels painful, but in a way that's so therapeutic. So yeah, it was a joy. I mean, I wrote the book in five weeks. Uh, oh my God. Yeah, I, I am, I'm a, I have ADD. So if I had gone near a deadline, <laughs> I would have waited till probably the last five weeks. So it just, yeah, I get in my flow. I get in my rhythm and it almost feels like a dream. Like it's so strange. Wow. I, I can't, and kind of just poured out of you. Like almost it felt like spiritual. Like it was really weird. I mean, obviously then I went back and I did edits and worked with an editor, but just that initial first draft just, and I know people are going to hate me because I have friends that are like, hey, it's torture. We all have a different, and maybe the next book will be probably, but that yeah. writing it was the easiest part. The promotion, the business, the selling, the agents, that to me is the hard part. I do want to talk about that because that's not something that I'm familiar with. I know agents from like an acting yeah. standpoint and that kind of relationship, but as a writer, because so starting with your relationship with your editor, how do you pour like your entire life experience and the message that you want yourself to have and girls like me and like girls like our listeners right now to take away. And then an editor goes, I don't think this makes sense. Maybe we move this around. Maybe we just take this out completely. Like how does, how does that work for you? Um, I think I was really, so I have a great agent and part of what an agent does is they really try and match you with an editor who's already a fan of your work. I have never written a book before. It's your first book. I think it's different, but I have 2000 articles published on the internet. So I was matched with an editor who, who knew my work, gets my style and all of her suggestions were only elevated the book. Like I think of, Writing is acting and editing is directing. So to have a director in there and be like, you know what, Zara, I think it would be more powerful if you move the last paragraph of this chapter to the top. And I'm like, yes. Like to me, that's when it's exciting and collaborative. Um, but in the past, not writing this book, but in other things, I have had editors that you feel like just don't inherently get your voice or your style or your messaging. And that is very tough. Um, but yeah. at the same time writing is, and I really want to re reiterate this. If you're being paid to write, it is a job. Just like if you're being paid to act and you got to go with what your editor says, even if you disagree with it, you can curse them behind their back, but you got to respect whoever your editor is. Cause that's, the that's a really good message. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I edit sometimes too. And Sometimes I work with young writers and, you know, they'll really disagree and I'm down to hear the disagreement. I'm down to work together. But at the end of the day, like if you, it's a job, you're being paid and an editor, they have the editorial to final decision in the end. So, yeah. And then shopping, I guess it would be shopping out your yeah. book. So I'm trying to use the lingo. I think I saw a TV show about <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> shopping out this book. Um, what is that like? Cause I know with me, it's very subjective. If I go into an, I mean, it's taken me years to have this muscle and this idea, but if I go into an audition room and they say, Hey, sorry, you're too tall or Hey, sorry, we want someone who looks like a model. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to Whataburger or they, it's just not the right uh, vibe for them. I know it's subjective. I know it has nothing necessarily to do with my talent. It has everything to do with a holistic picture that I have literally no idea right. what they're trying to create. But for writing, ex-girlfriend, you know, and like, yeah, but for writing, it's not necessarily the, the same thing when they say no. Right. You know, at first, so my first proposal, so what you do basically when you're writing a nonfiction book, it's different if you're writing a fiction book. If you're writing a nonfiction book, you do a book proposal. And the book proposal has like two or three sample chapters. It has every other chapter in the book, but just like a few sentences of what it's about, who your demographic is, what your audience is like, and your marketing plan. And your agent helps put that together with you. You work with, with them. 
and then they shop it to editors at publishers that work with genres like yours. And so my first one that I did got rejected 32 times and I was crushed and I was like, this is, this is, I, I, I'm this is, you know, for once I can't say like, oh, they just want someone skinnier or they just want, you know, like I I can't say that, but I got deeper into it and talked with other writers and they said like, no, it's still very, very subjective. It's, you could be such a great, great writer and write something so beautiful, but at the end of the day, the publisher might think they don't know how to market it or a lot of the publishers, and I will probably get in trouble for saying this, but I don't care. I've said it a million times. A lot of publishers, again, are out of touch with what young women want to read. And I've seen books get published that I quite frankly think suck. And I've had other friends who have books on submission right now who nobody wants to pick up and they're works of brilliant art. And I know that they would do well. So in a way, it doesn't speak to your talent. A lot of times a publisher will choose to publish a book because they think the idea is marketable. Um, and sometimes like, and the feedback I got was like, you're very talented. We just, we don't, we don't know who's going to buy this or we don't know how it's going to market it. And I've been there acting in that sense is that like, it's not saying that I'm bad. It's people who mm-hmm. I just don't vibe with. And this idea doesn't vibe with. So I, I find it also easier to absorb and how I've been coaching my friends. Cause I have a lot of friends who, who are going through this process for the first time is to look at it like acting. Like maybe they have a, another client who kind of reminds them of you and their book didn't do well. And even though your book isn't like their book, yeah. they just can't tell that women can be different. They're like, Oh, well you talk about sex. She talks about sex. You're basically the same person, you know? So really <laughs> casting yeah. directors and they're not always right. And, but then you find one that gets you and you click with and it works. And then that's magic. Okay. That's good. Cause I know that a lot of our listeners are, artists and people who have reached out, especially in quarantine, are looking at writing a memoir, writing a book. They're stuck and that's all we have to do. I mean, I try and journal three pages a day just as an active thing because I have so many emotions that I just can't keep inside. And so I try and journal three pages a day. And now that I'm here. I do. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm so good. I love okay. it. Okay. Yeah. It makes me feel like a sane person between my morning pages and my workout I can like go out and act normal (laughs) that's what works for me and so I know that a lot of people have reached out and are trying to get started on this journey they're like I have really nothing else to do I know that I'm have something to say but I don't know where to start do you have kind of any recommendations for those people that are like I know that I have a voice I just don't really know how to start using it yeah, um, I think writing prompts are really fabulous. Um, and there's a great book called The Right to Write. It's the same author who wrote The Artist's Way, wrote the pages. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's amazing, and I'm blanking on her last name, Julia something. Ju- Julie Cameron. Um, and she, I would honestly, that would be my number one recommendation. Go out and get The Right to Write, download it on your Kindle. And she really helps you find the freedom in writing. And she gives you all these prompts, like describe a day where you felt this way or describe something that happened to you when you were 10, describe the first time your, your heart broke, you know, um, and gets you in the, or just describe the way your bedroom looks, describe your childhood bedroom in complete detail. And I think doing things like that, like I said, writing is such a muscle. It That's what helps you find your voice. To just sit with a blank piece of paper, I think is very daunting, very scary. I wouldn't know where to start. But to or yeah. maybe start with a diary where you, you just do a recap of every single day. And if you keep at it, like writing again, like I said, it's, a dis- it's creative, but it's also a discipline. So if you write about your day every single day, say in the morning, you take 45 minutes to describe the day before, you will eventually find your voice, but you find it by doing it. 
Okay. I like that. I'm definitely going to get that book too. I don't want to be a writer, but I also want to work that muscle. Cause I definitely love the emotional outpour I get when I do do my morning pages. So that's something I will start doing with you guys. If you guys would like to start a writing club, let's yeah. do one. We'll create one on this episode. <laughs> I am curious because you do write for Go Magazine and you did work for Elite Daily. And so you do these online, um, not publications, but kind of articles, yeah. if you will. Is that what they would be? Okay, cool. Yeah. I was like, I don't know the terminology. But you do these articles that I connected with because I was doing my research and I wanted to get to know all your different kinds of writing style. And there is an article that I strongly recommend for everyone. And it's like 30 mental health things that you wish you knew before you were 30. And I was telling her before we recorded this episode, I was just kind of like, holy shit, I'm not crazy. This is a normal thing to do, like take notes to feel sane. And so is it different for you writing those articles that are super specific, super um, also very emotional, but it's very topical versus writing the book, which is kind of overarching big message type thing. How does that inspire you differently for those two different kinds of yeah, mediums? I would say it is different. Um, with, with writing articles, I, I, I really do try and go deep. And my editors sometimes get mad at me because they, they, everyone makes fun of me because I'm an overwriter as, as far as an underwriter. But um, yeah, I think when you're doing those, especially like a listicle like that, it's more you you don't dive as deep into your personal experience. You you put in bits in there, and I would go deeper if I could. But you have a word count. You have to think about your audience who's <laughs> scrolling. Scrolling is different than, mm -hmm. you know, turning a page. So you kind of have to get the meat and the heart of it across quicker. But you do want to have the same kind of impact because I think the most high-risk audience, I really want to make an impact with my writing. And the, the girls who need my writing the most are reading articles on places like Elite Daily and Go. So you want to make it palatable for people who maybe don't read books or aren't used to reading books. So you just yeah. sort of, it, it's almost like, it's like a memoir light, you know, you, you, uh, you go a little, you don't go quite as deep, but you still want to have an impact. And I don't know if that answered the question well. Yeah, no, that definitely does. I just know that they're two totally different types of, like mediums of kind of writing. Right. And so I didn't know how that inspired you differently writing an article for a certain amount of word count, but you know, it's getting this message across versus like writing your first book. Cause I know that that, that lives in two totally different places. I'm assuming. It's funny cause the voice for me is the same. The voice always is the same. And, um, People told me, editors said, you know, this isn't writing on the internet. You're going to have to go deeper. And I actually found it easier to do the book part because you're like, thank God, I've been begging to go deeper. Driving an outfit or whatever. But yeah, but it's funny because since I've written a book, my friends are telling me that my internet articles are a little bit different. So um, I think that writing a book, I think writing a book just makes you better oh. and I've noticed that yeah my work on the internet has sort of reached because I, I wrote that article that you're referring to probably like four years three years ago or something so um I do oh my yeah, god it's still super relevant <laughs> so even in my internet writing now it's constantly like finding that balance of going super super deep but keeping it concise and short it's yeah it's not a easy I okay. just wrote an article uh, right before this about body shaving yourself on 4th of July. So like, you know, that could be a huge chapter in a book, but this had to be about, you know, 1500 words. So you, you can't. Yeah, well, it is a huge chapter in your <laughs> Yeah, no, that chapter in the book though, about relating to your body and like, girl, you deserve to eat that plate of pasta. It was right before I had dinner when I was reading it. And I was like, I do deserve this taco. I. We'll have this taco and margarita and not hate myself later. It's 
I'm really excited to have people reach out to you about their reaction to this book because it just has kind of something for everyone. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about this. But I also want to know about you starting your own publication because that sounds so exciting. Yes, yes. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time. Um, I wanted to do a wellness site for bad girls. And again, bad, bad quote-unquote girls. Uh, yes. for, uh, a wellness site that deals with the issues of shame and spiraling and real girl tips for beating depression, things that do include yoga, but also include like singing your heart out to Lana Del Rey or going to see a doctor <laughs> if you need it, like real, like the way I've always wanted to see wellness done, not just like face masks and meditation face mask and meditation included, but also the other yeah. shit. And where we can, girls can also submit essays about their real stuff. Um, I started it oh, okay. a while ago, but I hadn't really launched it. It was called thedirtybeauty.com. It's live right now. There's probably about 15 or 20 essays, but I, I've been playing around and I'm actually relaunching it as the crazy sad babes club.com. And and the reason I changed the name is that I have a secret, which anyone is welcome to join. You just have to request. I have a secret Facebook group called the Crazy Sad Babes. And it's a non-judgmental okay. place where girls and boys and non-binary folks can talk about whatever is going on in their lives. They can complain about their medication. They can complain about you know, their depression. They can talk about what's working, if they're having a bad, you know where it's just like super safe, everyone in there is so nice. And I'm like, you know what? That kind of cuts to the point more than the dirty beauty. This is this is the crazy sad babes club. And it doesn't mean you have to be crazy. I, I think that it's kind of cheeky when I say crazy because I believe in taking words that I've been called negatively, which is crazy, and redeeming them. Yeah. And crazy, okay, I'm crazy. Crazy's powerful. Crazy's beautiful. Crazy's full of... Passionate. Right, and sadness too is something that I want to destigmatize. Again, sadness is beautiful. Yeah. So we're going to be um, relaunching it as that in about two weeks. So I will keep everyone posted if you follow me. Graham yes. We'll be launching, and I'm super, super excited to see where that's going to grow. We're going to have apparel that's all mental health oh related, God. funny apparel and I'm excited. I'm so excited. I'm I'm gonna be ready. Crazy girl on and everything. I'll even have my mascara running. I'm ready. <laughs> this is so exciting. Where can our guests or like our audience find you and get your book and so on and so um, forth? So Girl Stop Passing Out Your Makeup is available basically wherever books are sold. So Barnes Noble, Amazon, Books a Million. You can order it from bookshop.org which is amazing because it supports local bookstores that are being affected in COVID. So I do recommend books. Oh. Selfishly, obviously, like sometimes I like Amazon because I can see my ranking, but I got to get out of my own window. <laughs> and the part of the world yes. is bookshop. Uh, so yeah, uh, anywhere really you can get it. You can also download it. Audiobook will be coming soon. We're working on Oh, exciting. Yeah. Um, and then on Instagram, you can find me at Zara Barry. That's C-A-R-A-B-A-R-R-I-E. And then my writer's Facebook is facebook.com slash Zara Barry Words. That's a really good, fun community. And um, the Crazy Sad Babes Club. If you, if you want to go ahead, uh, I'll approve you. And you can be part of our special track. Oh, I'm so excited. And I do have um, just a, two more things before I let you go. Um, the whole thing of why I created this podcast was, um, I don't want to say similar to your book of just, I needed to have a platform for people where I'm obsessed with motivation. People make me motivated. People inspire me all the time. Their stories, their history, their trauma, their scars. I just am here for it. And I was going through a really rough time when I graduated college and I just, I booked straight out of college and I was like, oh, acting is easy. I got this. And the minute that that show closed, I was like, 
I didn't book anything for six months and I was horribly depressed and I get really bad seasonal depression because I'm a Texas girl in New York City. So if I don't see the sun, I'm not leaving my right. apartment. Um, so it was just not a good headspace and bless my dad's heart. He was the one who just said, keep the hammer on the rock and keep chipping away. And if you just do it little by little, eventually you are going to get to where you want to be. So I'm really curious because of everything that you've been through and you've experienced and continue to do, what keeps you chipping away at your rock towards everything? Well, I love what you said, and I relate full-heartedly um, to that. I think it's so hard, especially because every time we see someone who is very successful, it appears as if it's happened overnight. You know? And, yeah. I, and I, I struggle with je career jealousy, so I'll be like, well, what? Why did, what, what, that she just booked that or she just got that, but behind, that's why I feel like it's so important for me to talk about the fact that I got 32 rejections, okay, from <laughs> top editors in the industry, all saying, like, try again, bitch, um, and that, that's a lot, that's a lot to deal with, and I, I always want to talk about that because yes. you just see people get the deal and you think it's easy, no, it's hard, it's all really, really hard. Um, and I have days where I'm like, why am I not further along? And what really helped has helped me recently is I just read Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, which I highly recommend, highly, highly recommend. She's okay. an amazing writer and it's all about untaming yourself and it's just so beautiful. But she says like one day at a time, like you don't actually always have to have a long-term goal because life kind of unfolds for you and if you just say like today today I'm going to write a chapter and reach out to five different agents okay you hear you're going to hear a response by the end of the week and then you take it from there and then you take it from there today I'm going to write a blog post today I'm going to put myself on tape today I'm going to brainstorm for an hour and a half or I'm going to you know do a networking thing and then all of that builds and then the next thing you know this opportunity has unfolded so I think I mean I'm all about the long game for sure but in order to stay sane in the long game I think you have to tackle each for me you have to tackle each day as an individual day you know because you get caught up yeah. in like oh in two years I have to have this this has to work out you're gonna lose your mind you're gonna beat yourself up and you're gonna feel paralyzed but like, what's an achievable goal that you can do today? You know, you, you could start a blog today. That's totally doable. You could reach out to five different uh, potential mentors and ask them for a coffee. That's doable. So I think that, that that's been the biggest thing for me that's helped me. Okay. Taking it day by day. I like that. And then there's... It's hard. There's the, the group of women that you wrote this book for. Um, and I love the message behind your book. I will say it a thousand more times. Like I'm just obsessed with your book and the message is extremely clear what you wanted to get across. And every chapter I do recommend don't do it all in one sitting. Cause it's a very long emotional journey for me. I was like sitting there journaling while reading your book while sobbing and then talk to my therapist about it. And I was like, this book is the and so I do recommend breaking it up because it can be an emotional journey yeah. for you. But I know that a lot of women are, huh? Oh, sorry. No, I didn't say anything. I think my phone just, or my computer just, I got an email that came in. Sorry. Love it. Um, I know that like a lot of women and men and everyone in between, they're going to listen to this. They're going to see your Instagram. They're going to somehow stumble upon this book, kind of like how you are drawn to these books and that's how you kind of let your reading take you. I was really in a bad place when I picked up your book and I started reading it and it really opened my eyes to a whole new world. But before our listeners open up your book and kind of delve into taking off your makeup, letting your skin heal, facing those scars that we're all facing, it's really daunting to pick up a self-help book. It's really daunting to kind of look at yourself in the mirror and be like, 
all right, bitch, we've drank three bottles of rosé in two days, and this is not where we need to be with our lives. We haven't worked out in a really long time, and I'm not listening to Sharon or Lana Del Rey. So where am I going to go from here? Do you have any kind of advice or any kind of words of wisdom as our new big sister of what these listeners can take away from today if they're just really not having a good one and they don't really know where to start to making that journey of taking off your makeup and stop passing out every day? That's a beautiful question. Um, Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Breathe. Forgive yourself. We're all human. We all screw up. Even beauty gurus on Instagram. Um, So it just starts with just be, be gentle with yourself and forgive yourself because nothing grows from self-hatred. And as someone who spent a long time beating herself up and shame spiraling and self-destructing and punishing myself, whether it was through dieting or through just negative self-talk, you, you can't grow and heal. And, and it's, it's just like those studies they've done with plants. If you negatively well at a plant it doesn't grow and if you lovingly speak to it it's gonna grow these are actual scientific studies so i had no idea but it's an actual (laughs) there are actual studies on this so before you do anything just forgive yourself let it go it's gonna be okay i love that that makes me (laughs) want to cry it makes me cry (laughs) But like it's so it's just true. Like I think actually the last the last um line of my book, I'll just read it's just like the last because I feel like that it's the answer is yeah. you don't have to be perfect to love yourself. Fuck, you don't even have to like yourself every single day in order to love yourself. You can still be in the process of figuring out your relationship with booze. You can still be in the process of getting your shit together. You can still be in the process of figuring out how to be a better friend or employee or daughter, and you can still love the shit out of yourself. That's one thing you don't need to wait to do. You can do it today, right now. Because the love you have for yourself isn't conditional at all. It's not, okay, I will love myself once I start meditating and writing gratitude lists. No. You must love yourself when you're hungover. You must love yourself when you're lazy. You must love yourself when you're feeling jealous. You must love yourself when you're simply a flawed, fucked up human. Forgive yourself, breathe, breathe, let it go, and let in love, your own fucking love. So that's what I would say. (laughs) And And I'm now like tearing up having to hear it again. I have to say to myself a lot, like I'm... You know, I have to reread my own book. Like I, 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 I told, told my husband, I'm like, I'm scared of the feeling, and I just wrote a book about not being scared of feelings. You know, so it's still, you know, a work in progress. Yep. And that's the beautiful thing is, is that we are constantly going to be a work in progress. But the thing that I think your book shows, and that life experience, I say is almost a 25 year old, like I know what I'm talking about shows is that it, it's going to ebb and flow. But the number one relationship is it what you have with yourself and the self-worth and the self-respect and knowing that you're not alone. And you talk about that a lot in the book. And I want our listeners to also know that you are not alone, even on this journey, even as you're just getting started, we're here. There's so many people who are here and who love you. And so that's why I was really excited to have you on this podcast to kind of share that message and share this book that I think is going to inspire and change a lot of people. Thank you so much for having me. You're an incredible interviewer, really. (laughs) And to anyone who is listening, you're under my big sister wing now. So feel free to message me, DM me. I answer every single one. So Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. This was a beautiful experience. Of course. Oh, I'm so glad. And thank you for everything that you've shared. Um, I will tell everybody when you do read the book and you do reach out, something beautiful that is at almost the end of every single chapter is (laughs) Zara describes herself when you're in these spiraling moments and like this dark (laughs) depression because she's 
sitting there and she's like, I'm sitting there, red lips on, we're about to have a glass of wine. Don't send that text. I'm sitting there. I'm also eating my pizza. Girl, you need to eat this pizza too because I'm right. not eating by myself. So it is the most perfect depiction. So when you guys do read this, please reach out to Zara. Please do start this beautiful journey of loving yourself. It is something that you have to do every single day. I don't think either of us are experts on it. It's just a matter of taking those first couple steps and um, you are a beautiful person. And I hope on this motivational Monday, this inspires and motivates you to take that next step to pick up that book that Zara just wrote or to start that meditation because you know that you have been wanting to do it. It's just a little daunting. Um, you're not alone. We're here for you. And we will also be here next Monday for another episode of Chipping Away. So I hope everyone has a beautiful motivational Thank Monday. You. Chip it away, chip it away with me.